welcome to this week's episode of the Master Instructor Roundtable with myself, Wendy Batts, and friend and colleague, Marty Miller, joining me. How are you? Great, Wendy. How's everything going today? So good. Um, really, I love when we do these um, podcasts, Marty, because first and foremost, I know when I was a personal trainer starting out, I had so many questions and I was very fortunate to have a mentor that I felt comfortable talking to and asking questions and being able to get advice from. However, I always felt guilty when I kept going to him over and over again and just wish that I had a community of like-minded people surrounding me to help me. And um, and so we're going to talk about our community through NASM and get some of the questions we pulled directly from our Facebook page and talk about those on today's episode. Yeah, it's important to find those resources where you can lean on people or systems to give you the answers you need. You're not supposed to go this alone. And, you know, Wendy, you and I create content all the time and we dig into something, but, you know, we're guessing and we, we know what people want in the sense that we've been doing this long enough. But I really like when it's very specific questions from individuals, because that's what really matters. We're here to make sure that we meet anybody where they're at and help them get to that next level. So that's what yes. today's well, we do this for you guys. So if you do have questions, you you know, we'll get our contact obviously at the very end, but you can always utilize um, some of our social media because that's where everybody lives these days. And so let's go ahead and dive on in. Um, so today we are going to talk about our NASM certified personal trainer page. You do have to have your NASM CPT in order to be um, a part of the group. So once you have passed, be sure to ask to join. We verify your credentials, and then as soon as you're in, you're in. We're going to also talk a lot about that CPT page and the goal of it. And then, of course, Marty and I just chose some random questions that came up that we thought were really good questions, and uh, we're going to discuss those today. I love it. So, Wendy, when we talk about the NESM CPT page, you know, the thing is, like, well, why did NESM do it? And I think there's, a, what, 13,000 people in the in the group now? There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Last time I looked, it was 13,000 plus or minus. So, you know, it's a great networking platform. So obviously there's people like myself and Wendy involved that kind of moderate and keep an eye on things and help always bring some of those questions back to true NASM um, goals and objectives in the model, et cetera. But there will be other questions and other comments and other networking opportunities that come up out of that. You know, so it's that intellectual interaction with like-minded professionals where you can go and throw a question out there like, hey, has anybody seen this? Or how do you handle this in your business? And even though you may work in different parts of the industry, out of 13,000 people, somebody's going to be doing something very similar to what you're doing and then be in the spot that you've been in before. And then grow professionally. I think intellectual conversation is great. Sometimes you can have it at work, but sometimes if you're your own personal trainer or maybe you're the leader within your organization, you still need that stimulus from somebody else that can help spawn new ideas, answer, answer questions, tackle problems. So that's why it's there. So just go in, ask questions and enjoy. Absolutely. That's why it's there. But we can't also forget about our Instagram pages. Hence I said pages. So if you guys go to NASM underscore fitness and follow that page, you're going to be a part of the NASM fitness content. They put out videos. There's a bunch of information um, that is provided on what's happening with NASM, as well as great conversations um, that you're going to see in videos that they bring out. There's also the, and I say it's new, um, it's not really new, it's almost a year old now, but the NASM performance Instagram page, that is something is more 
uh, about performance. So if you're working with athletes, you're, you're a coach, you want to start working with these types of population, or if you just want to see really cool content, um, you want to go ahead and, and follow the NASM performance page as well, because Marty and I, every two weeks, do something called All Things Performance, where we get on and do a live. Um, we talk about various topics and content, but we also want to take your questions, especially regarding the topic that we're discussing. There's also something called Beyond the Abstract that's done with Dr. G, where they take research articles and break it down um, to make it easy to understand for people like myself that sometimes get confused with what's happening um, in some of this research and what's legit and what's not. And you also can ask Dr. G some questions, but it's just a lot of really cool, cool content. So I think um, if you are not a follower of the pages, you really should be because I think you're going to get and see that there's a lot of, um, especially the exercises, there's a lot of creative things that we throw in there that I think sometimes we, we don't get enough of. And uh, because it does follow the model, we don't just make it up. It's actually pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and I'll give a shameless plug on the NESM Fitness Monday through Wednesday, but generally on Tuesday, I do a live coffee talk just to answer yes. questions on, you know, you bring up the question and we'll we'll talk about it live. So you got two Yeah, that's where you go in and hammer Marty, y'all. So make sure bring you it. join. <laughs> Find the hardest questions you can and go on the coffee talk. Because I'll tell you what I know and I'll tell you what I don't know, but I will get back to you either way. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled with those type of questions because then and I. These, yeah, these are questions. Again, we the, there's no rhyme or reason why we chose these, except for Marty and I get questions all the time sent to us via email, sometimes on Messenger or through the Facebook page. We commonly see them. So we chose some questions that you're going to see here um, because they're really good questions. And it's something that a lot of us have to deal with or will be dealing with in the future if you're new. So I'll go ahead and read the question, Marty, and I'll see what your answer is first, and I can piggyback if mine's different. So the question was, I have a question about stretching at the beginning of a workout. Sometimes it's recommended because foam rolling and stretching can increase your range of motion for the workout to come, which can be useful. It also said that this can limit your maximum strength output. Here's my main question. Is it considered bad practice to stretch and foam roll before the warm-up? And if so, if you just do a stretching session on your day off, should you always do a warm up? So we could spend an hour just on this question. So I'm going to try to condense it and make it, you know, in a sense, simple is let's call it movement preparation. Before every workout, you need to do movement preparation in our flexibility continuum. There are different stretching techniques because they do different things. I've always said NESM's OPT model is a toolbox, right? So I know where I, when I need a hammer, I know when I need a screwdriver for different types of jobs. Well, mobility and stretching is going to be the exact same thing. So you're always going to do a movement prep warm up before every workout. That's what we tell you didn't suggest, right? And we're always going to have you do a cool down. So now when we, what we're talking about here, when somebody says that sentence of can limit your maximum strength output, that is static stretching. That's when after my self myofascial techniques, I stretch a hopefully a chronically shortened muscle and I lengthen it and I hold it for like 20 to 30 seconds. I think a silly putty back in the day, if I held silly putty and let it go, it went right back to its normal length. But if I held silly putty for longer, it would stay longer. I am thrilled that we can limit. Yes, it will limit strength output immediately. Thank God we have that tool though, because I'm going to use that tool when I need it. 
I'm doing it when I'm trying to restore ideal posture in either corrective exercise or stabilization training. I don't bring out that tool in other phases of training unless you're doing the continuum, which maybe we can talk about where I go from static to active to dynamic. But in static by itself, it's a tool that's been proven to lengthen chronically shortened tissue, which the purpose is to decrease the activation of that muscle because it's doing too much work compared to its functional antagonist. So without that scientific principle, how could we ever change postures? The key thing here is if I'm going to statically stretch, let's say my calf complex, and I increase the range of motion of the joint, I wouldn't go right into plyometrics and jump. I would have to do the strengthening exercises, the functional antagonist, and then maybe even do active stretching and dynamic if I was going to have to go play a sport like basketball. But just remember, that's why this is the warm-up in phase one. Yes. And I, I mean, to piggyback off of that, in order to, and it says maximum strength, that's why I loved this question. Remember, you're going to be the strong, you're only as strong as you are stable, right? And we have talked about the importance of standing in the five kinetic chain checkpoints, having everything ideally lined up because you're going to be more powerful when everything is working the way that it's intended to work. That's that whole neuromuscular efficiency that we talk about, right? Muscle firing at the right time in the right plane of motion. So if you are going through and statically stretching to restore your actual movement pattern, then when you go and do your maximum strength lifts, you're going to have better range of motion and you're going to have more power output or strength output, depending on what it is that you're doing. So to Marty's point, as long as you're not going back to back from stretch, uh, static stretching into your maximum, something dynamic and powerful, you are going to see better results by going into the static active and dynamic. And remember the definition of dynamic is full available range of motion. So if you're limited on that, are you really doing an ideal dynamic warmup? Not as much as if you statically stretched first to restore the length and then going into those movement patterns. So. Great points, Wendy. For those of you just joined in say on the master instructor round table, myself, Marty Miller and Wendy Batts, we're taking questions from the group. So this came right off of the NESM CPT Facebook page. So you drop your questions in there and every so often we'll come back around and throw them out here to discuss them further. All right, Marty, I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Now I'm going to read the entire question because I think it's going to make more sense than to break it up piece by piece. So how do you restart a person who is lifting at an advanced level and progressing well, but faces a setback that keeps them from working out for a bit? I have a track athlete who I progressed into a power phase and was doing an explosive lift and plyos. Um, she was sick for a week, but had continued issues and went back to the doctor and had blood work done and has been, been found to have low iron, low vitamin D and migraines. She started supplements and a migraine med. I've told her to focus on getting through each school day first. She, she, um, she's often gone and had to leave early before we worry about resuming her workouts. She hasn't lifted in the last three weeks. And then if we go to the next slide, I'll, I'll finish this. Um, I wasn't sure where to start her from when she returns. If I just do an easy week of lower weight and high reps to test things out before advancing her back to where she was. I know she's super frustrated and afraid of losing all of her strength gains. And I know we don't have to completely start over, but I wasn't sure where to begin. Okay. So there's a lot to it, but in, in uh, kind of a nutshells, first and foremost, you're going to get medical clearance that she's ready to train again, right? Because she had to go see a physician. Number two is when you 
are in a weakened immune system when you're sick, that is not the time to try to push the envelope. That's where people end up making the thing, the, the sickness go longer, right? Because you're, if you think about it, your body's trying to recover from the sickness, but then I'm pushing myself physically, which now makes me have to recover from two things. So yes, you have to rest and shut it down. Now, with that being said, this has to go case by case, but you can use this as a guideline. You said like she was in the power phase. So that's the final phase of training. You'd have to work your way through. So that doesn't mean that as she's recovering, she can't go back to her corrective exercises. She can't go back to stabilization endurance. Maybe you do one set, maybe you know, you're know you lowering the volume, but you might still keep the muscles working, but a power phase is gonna tax your immune system way more than a stabilization training. So as she starts to get better, you're easing her back through the phases of training. She may only need two stabilization workouts and then two strength workouts before you go back. And when you go back, it may not be four sets, at her maximum weights that she can handle might be two sets at 70% just to see how she responds. So I can't say do this exactly, but understand that when someone's not well, their immune system's already compromised. The higher up the phases of training in the model you go, the more you're taxing your body's ability to recover. So sleep, hydration, nutrition, all that matter. But Absolutely. There's times where I'm not feeling hundred percent and I can still go do my mobility work, my correctives and my stabilization. So that way, when it's time, the muscle memory is closer to being ready to graduate back in. And hopefully you've been undulating your program anyway, when she's in power, because if you see her two or three times a week, and only thing that you're doing is power where it's one to five reps of, or 85 to hundred percent of her one rep max, and then immediately going into something explosive if you don't let the body kind of recover in between even those types of workouts, it can be very, very hard to keep proper alignment and really good movement quality and patterning. So oftentimes if I have someone in power and I see them three times a week, I may do a power on Monday, a phase two on Wednesday and another power on Friday, or I may do a phase two, phase one, and then power. So I don't usually do three powers in a row. And you're going to see that her body will respond because the body already knows hopefully three to four weeks in each phase before you progress them or longer if needed. The body, it's, it's actually really good to make sure the stabilizers are kicking on, the prime movers are working as ideally as possible. So you can show her when she gets back into her power routine, she hasn't missed a beat. But to Marty's point, don't push it too soon because you could end up causing more harm than good, but just start back at phase one or two. I usually say phase two, see how our body really does respond with the supersets because you're supersetting in five and then play around with it as needed. Mm -hmm. Great advice. All right. Question three, Marty, what do you say to clients who want you to video every single exercise they do? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's different ways to look at this, but it's their time, their you know, their session, I'll give them pros and cons. If I run into something where I think that, you know, we're not making progress or we're spending too much time, but I'm okay with it because it's their session. It's just, I have to be clear in, okay, if we video these 10 exercises, they're very similar to the last ones we did. It's just one variation away. But if that's what makes them feel comfortable, I'm not going to fight them and say, no, it's just, I would say, Hey, Wendy, if I do this, remember we're taking 10 minutes out to do this. Are you okay that we may not get through this, this, or this? So I'm always going to throw that out there, but it's their, con you know, it's their time. It's what they're paying for. I just got to manage the expectations. And as long as there's clear communication, I'm okay with it. 
Well, and I'm going to take a kind of a different approach because this is when I tell my clients, like, I'm not your videographer, I'm your trainer. And I really want to focus more on your movement pattern, your quality. I need to spot you, especially if it's heavy. I need to watch each and everything. And that to me is more important than me videoing you. However, what I can do is, you know, I'm, I'm a part of NASM Edge, which is the the app that NASM has where there's all the videos where you can go in and build a program and give it to your clients to have on their phone. That is an app. All they do is press, you set the day, and then they can go in and see all of those videos that you put in there. So if you want to, I mean, yes, it's more work for you after the fact, but if it's something that's very important to them, set them up on the app. Don't worry about you know, videoing them doing something, why don't you have the experts or the professionals that are already that, that know how to do something correctly with the instructions that you put on the app. And so they can go back and, and watch it or do it at home or whatever, you know, the reason is that they have that. I just think sometimes we, we spend so much time with our phones and videos that we're taking away from the now moment, which is what we want them to do. We want to push them if they're a weight loss client, we want to limit our rest periods. I don't want to have to stop and start and then say, okay, now the video's done. Let's go ahead and actually begin so I can watch you. So yeah, I think from a, from a point of clarity, I like if you're talking about Instagram videos, no, I'm not there to do Instagram content. I was just more like if it's a new exercise and they want it, cool. But again, yeah. I'm trying to keep the flow going. So that's where I could read this question a couple different ways, but mm -hmm. I'm not there to do selfies in Instagram videos. <laughs> Like you said, if you want to create your own content for that, we'll do that after the training session. If you want an educational video and you want it, I'm okay with that, but yeah. I will try to use other resources and keep them through the workout. Now, I will say too, afterwards, you know, especially with like a kneeling hip flexor stretch, because it is very, very specific and there's just a little bit of a tweak here and there makes a big, big impact on that stretch and that you're doing it correctly. So I have taken someone's phone and said, this is what I want you to do. And I'll, I will talk through it as they do it. And then I, I have them have that, you know, it's of course I'm videoing on their phone, but that's something because I know oftentimes is done incorrectly and they can go back and watch it. And I want them to do that every single day. Mm -hmm. But when it said every single video or exercise, I mean, guys right. use technology, use the apps. NASM edge app is phenomenal. Um, it's part of NASM one. If you don't know about it, look it up because you can get all your education there, but it's also a tool that's going to help your clients and make your life so much easier, especially if you're like me and you give home programs that you want them to do when they're not with you. And it's just more service that I'm able to provide. Mm -hmm. And it shows that I have multiple avenues of way of helping them with their fitness journey when they're not specifically with me in person. Mm -hmm. Agreed. All right. Question four, outside of coaching, Marty, what are some other roles that you've been able to use your skills, learn through NASM and training for? Interesting question. So outside of coaching, Man, there's so many things. I think first and foremost is just communication, right? So because we know the science, once you know the science, it's very easy to understand phase of training, work to rest ratios, tempos, et cetera. But how do you get somebody to, you know, follow you with verbal cues or can you, do you have tactile cues if you're allowed to touch? Do you have, you know, other ways to get somebody to follow and improve their motion and movement? But also for me, definitely the psychology behind exercise, because, you know, when you, the way I've said it before, and I think you use this is the apple versus apple pie. Um, you know, everybody knows what's right to do. So 
but not everyone picks the right answer. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where can you get somebody, can you connect with them at a level to where, you know, you can get them to change their behavior, right? Because most everyone wants to exercise. Most everyone wants to progress. Most everybody wants to do the right thing, but you know, it's, can you connect with them at that level where they're at and motivate them? So that's part of the part that I really like about the fitness industry is applying the science to the level of the person in front of me. So they get excited about it and they have a, a, a journey that they're actually enjoying compared to dreading. Yeah. And I mean, I looked at this question a little bit different because when mm -hmm. you say what other roles, I mean, are you talking about professional roles? Like what, you know, if you don't want to coach and you don't want to be a personal trainer, mm -hmm. but you're, you know, you have your exercise science degree or you just have your NASM CPT, CESPS, whatever it is that you have, you've got to think and dig deep. And this is why I love doing these towards like the end of the year. You got to think about what is your future? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you enjoy? Because if you look at my resume, um, and I say that like people say, well, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, how much time do you have? Because, you know, I'm able through NASM to teach, at, you know, for a university, Marty, you're the same. We teach the NASM content. So now I'm a professor. Um, I also, you know, do manual therapy because I went back and I love the CES and the corrective exercise. So I do a lot of manual therapy outside of training. And then it's like, OK, so I own my own business doing that. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I still teach for NASM. So I'm able to travel the world teaching something that I truly wholeheartedly like believe in because it's built my career. So I'm able to connect with other individuals and build communities and be involved with people helping build content, do these podcasts, be on Instagram, do the things to try to help educate others, which is really where I'm passionate or where I'm passionate about the most. But then too, you're able to go into a gym and train other trainers or be a mentor to someone if you really have you know the the desire to do that like marty said taking it on a psychology level how can you help other people in your profession be even better because it only betters yourself so i think you know sometimes we limit ourselves we're only personal trainers we're only personal trainers well first of all only being a personal trainer is, should be awesome because you're able to change the lives of so many. However, you can take so many different avenues by just stepping in a little bit here and then finding your niche and then and then diving deeper into that content and taking it to a completely different level. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, giving that uh, twist on the question because I, I read it a little bit differently. But now with what I talked about and what you talked about, I think I have even some more um, information I can share. So first and foremost, you know, one, you can be an author, you know, Wendy, you and I have both written. So we're published authors, right? It's the knowledge we got from NASM that allowed us to now write chapters, write articles. I've been interviewed on TV, but then also I've been a mentor, right? I was mentored coming into this. Now I'm at the point in my career where I can mentor. So, you know, that could be a whole nother business for, for you and I at this point in our career. And then I do a lot of business development in my full-time role. I don't do one-on-one -on -one training more. So I'm not going to say I graduated from it. It's just I had other interests and now I can leverage that knowledge in the fitness industry. There's so many businesses that need our skill set. So as you know, my role is vice president of education and training. So now I take the ability to create curriculum, to digest more complicated stuff, to disseminate it in bite-sized doses to where people are excited about the information. So now when I work in my full-time role, I'm really training people uh, differently than maybe sometimes it could be salespeople, sometimes it could be a customer, 
but that is a skill set that allows you to get outside and get into the corporate world than just doing the one-on-one -on -one trainings. But you know, there's business development, there's owning businesses. So it's really endless for sure. Sky's the limit, hence the picture. <laughs> the picture Wendy. And then of course, things to consider guys. Remember when you, when you're starting out, don't overthink anything. Marty and I talk about this all the time. You know, when people ask questions about program design, our first question always is, well, what does the assessment show? And that's why when Marty and I do almost every podcast other than these, uh, we talk about, well, the assessment would be something along the lines of this. And, you know, you also have to think too, don't get so creative in some of your exercises because you saw a cool video and I can do these multi-joint movement patterns when you haven't even done the fundamental movement patterns first. And so make sure too that, you know, the quality of movements there, the expectation of what you want to see out of them is understood. They understand your cueing. But then also, too, as the, the trainer or the coach, you need to make sure that you're fulfilling the goals and you're putting them through the right path to get them to their level of whatever it is that they want to achieve. If not, you're giving them false hope, which is not going to help anybody feel good about themselves and it doesn't look good on your business. So, of course, there's definitely no other right answers um, with any of the stuff that we're talking about. But most importantly, it's always about safety. You always want to have good movement and execution with your acute variables, with everything that you're you're trying to do on the programming side. But you also to want to take a really deep dive in who you are, what you want. And with the questions that we talked about, again, we could have gone through, as you saw, Marty read it one way. I read it another. But both of them were right. It just kind of depends on on how you're looking at your business and your profession. But no matter if you're designing programs, no matter if you're working with clients, no matter if you're finding your next career or if you're looking into 2024, don't overcomplicate anything. Make sure it's very specific. Make sure that you have your SMART goals for yourself and what you want. And then use us as resources. Use the Facebook page. Use the Instagrams. And then use the community because I have learned so much from you guys, just even reading your comments. I'm like, hmm, because did exactly what Marty and I did. We looked at something completely different and offered two different answers, even though it was kind of both right to this to that one question. No, I think this is a key topic. You know, when we talk about, you know, today on the Master Trek Roundtable, the questions from the group is there's a lot of information in that book and you need to learn the science. But then it's how do you put the science into play? So that way it makes the biggest impact in your career as well as for your clients. So I'm hoping that everyone got a lot out of those questions. And now, you know, as we move forward, it's going to be always following the OPT model. That's never going to change for Wendy and I. No matter what avenue you go down, we're still going to ask you to follow the model. And that's the assessments. That means you have to reassess every four to six weeks formally. But every set of every rep is a movement assessment. We've talked about that in the past. And if you're not following the acute variables, you're just winging it, right? You don't go into the kitchen and just grab a bunch of ingredients and throw them in a pot and hope something comes out unless you're a trained professional. So same thing in fitness. You don't just grab this exercise, grab that exercise, maybe stretch this, maybe stretch that. You have to follow the acute variables based off that assessment, then based off the phase of training you're in. And just like on the last slide, don't overcomplicate the exercises. You know, simplicity done properly is what you're looking for. They don't need to be fancy. They need to be effective. Know the muscles you're trying to target, the movement patterns, and the model will take care of everything, take care of everything else for you. Yep. And then one of the next, when we go to the next slide, um, 
I saw this on the Facebook page and I really think that this is a really good ending point because this isn't a question. This is just a reminder to all of us, especially right now when things are really hectic and we know what we're getting ready to walk into come January. And so this was a comment that I did pull directly from the Facebook page from one of our community members. So thank you for posting this. I said, I had a former client today tell me how grateful he was to be able to work with me. I had another person, LOL, I don't remember, former client, just a gym member, see me. And she was so excited to see me because she always liked my energy and how happy I was. Remember, this career is much about how we make people feel as it is results. So I just wanted to throw this out there because sometimes we can get really burnt out. We can get really stressed out. We really feel sometimes that our walls are closing in and we're just doing the same thing over and over again. Every client is different and this profession is should be the most rewarding thing that you have in your life other than your family. And you, I mean, just being able to have people see how you can change other people and then them acknowledge you about it should be that yes, 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 because it is about being grateful. It is about having gratitude and it is about sometimes just stepping down, looking around and showing, looking at yourself and showing yourself like, look, I did this. So I just wanted to end it with that. (laughs) No, I think that's a great way to end as we, you know, end even the year, there's a lot to be grateful for. And I think the fact that we work in this industry is definitely something that I'm grateful for and meeting great people like you and, you know, our producer, Eric, not a bad guy as well, but you know, the industry is amazing. And the fact that we get to go change people's lives, wouldn't trade it for anything. Yes. So again, our key takeaways, guys, if you're not part of the NASM CBT Facebook, go follow the page. If you're not part of NASM performance or NASM's um, Instagram or fitness Instagrams, go and, and follow those channels. Um, use your resources through social media, contact Marty and I listen to all the different podcasts. NASM has an unbelievable channel filled with so many great topics and resources available to you for free, but most importantly, ask questions. That's what the Facebook page is there for. We do bring these on podcasts, um, very often, but we are always in the page dabbling in on some of the, the answers, um, here and there too. Um, but we want to be able to help you guys and mentor you as as best we can as our schedules allow. So just know that as well. Absolutely. So in closing, Wendy, why don't you give all these wonderful people your contact information? Yeah. If you guys want to email me, you can find me at wendy.bats at nasm.org or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And my information right here on qdr.martymiller72 for Instagram and then email marty.miller at nasm.org. So Wendy... Thank you for uh, doing this topic, bringing up all the questions. I think you picked some great ones. And for all of you that joined us, thank you so much. And most importantly, feel free, reach out, keep us uh, informed with what you want us to put out there and we'll do that. And hopefully we get to see you all next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.